I like that you use the word responsibility. In some ways, it's easier to just be like, I'm only going to listen to Christian stuff. And that's fine. And maybe that's what God's yeah. calling you to do. That's great. I think if we decide, I want to consume both of these because there's beautiful things in both, there's the image of God somewhere in both, then we also have the responsibility to recognize when that image is being degraded in yeah. that art and say, is this song, this art degrading the image of God in someone in some way, in misogynistic ways or racist things or whatever mm, yeah. it is? Like We have a responsibility to recognize that and say, I don't want that to be a part of my life. Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast from Real FM. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Hey, welcome to episode one of Real Talk. I'm Anson, and Kara and Isaac are along with me. Hey. Episode Hello. one, guys. Woohoo. Here we go. Woo. Real Talk. We're excited. We're not going to do that annoying thing where we talk for hours and hours about our yeah. podcast and the philosophy behind like why we're doing it. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of episode ones, they spend a lot of time talking about podcasts themselves yeah. and they're like, why it's important to do a podcast. What? And you've probably heard that a million times. As a rule, I skip like the first four minutes of every new podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the part that you're probably skipping over right now. So, so we should probably just ahead. stop talking about it and move on. Right. <laughs> but since it is the first episode, we will spend maybe just a, a few seconds kind of on each segment that we go through here on Real Talk to kind of explain what we're talking about and why. But other than that, we'll try to, we'll try to skip over this intro part pretty quickly. That's right. So our, our big idea topic for this week is Christians and music. I feel like everyone knows at least one person on either side of the spectrum where like they're way for Christians listening to any sort of music they want to. And then mm -hmm. they definitely have a friend that's like, I only listen to casting crowns exclusively. Right. Yeah. So I think that it's, it's a, it's a yeah. broad spectrum. And what we're trying to figure out is where do we fit on exactly. the spectrum? Right. Where's the right place to be? So that's what we're going to be talking about uh, in more detail coming up a little bit later on this episode of real talk. But first, just to kick things off uh, for our first episode of real talk, I want to talk about what I'm into this week. And so this is going to be where each of us just kind of share briefly one thing we've been doing or thinking about a lot during the past week. So uh, Kara, why don't you kick us off with your what I'm into this week? Okay. So what I'm into this week, it's super deep. I am really into finding the perfect Leslie Nope GIF to reply to my texts and, and Facebook threads <laughs> and comments. You have been really into Parks and Recreation. Really, I really, okay, you? yes. You're kind of late to the I'm late to the party. The party but and I'm really enjoying here. it. <laughs> but right now that's coming out in trying to find the perfect Leslie Nope GIF, mm. which is hilarious because Probably most of the people I'm texting have no idea who Leslie Nope is <laughs> and don't care. But I'm really? really excited when I find the perfect Leslie Nope GIF. I get really excited. So I there mean, are a lot would, of friends you have that, yeah, that aren't on this aren't train either. either. Yeah, like you guys are. So you would get it. But there's yeah. others that are like, oh, I don't know. I've never watched that. And I'm like, OK. I so, was kind of late to Parks and Rec, too, honestly. Like I, I tried it when it was yeah. live briefly and, and didn't really care it, for yeah. it because I feel like the first season was not very good. Yes, it took me a while to get past yeah, that. But then people kept saying, no, you got it. You got to try again. Yeah. You got to get yes. past the first season. And yeah. then when I did, I was like, OK, yeah. I see what the hype was it's all about. It's an incredible show. Yes. <laughs> How so. deep does your uh, Leslie Nope gift folder go? I don't know. <laughs> How many have you downloaded yeah. so far? <laughs> I'm 
haven't downloaded too many. Mostly I like grab the little, ta- you know, just the little, uh, what's the, the link that you, you know, yeah. pasted mm, okay. in a thing. But I've downloaded a few. I noticed for you sure. just hit a hard drive off of the desk. Yeah, so. sorry. This <laughs> thing right here. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have a whole bunch of those saved. I really like all of her. My favorites are her uh, little quips to Anne and her compliments. So I've been looking up those. all of those. Like, yes, oh, the... Anne, you beautiful tropical fish. Those are my favorites. I actually use some of those on my wife now. Okay. Like, I'm like... <laughs> Dream, my brilliant musk ox. That's so great. I would actually be okay with that if someone did that with me. Okay, well, good to know. There you go. That's my thing. Isaac, what are you into this week? So I've got a little bit of a commute. I drive about a half hour to work and then a half hour back from work. So I've got about an hour that I'm just kind of in the car every day. And my wife suggested books on tape. I've been using Audible. That's not a plug for Audible. It's just I'm technology dumb sometimes. And (laughs) we're not sponsored by Audible. The only way that I can find them sponsor us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going through uh, the Harry Potter series right now and (gasps) what's cool is that there's this like British guy that reads them and he does all of the voices so I feel like I'm getting this storybook read to me and it's really great so magical I've heard such good things about the Harry Potter book on tape I've gotten home a little late sometimes because I'll take like (laughs) I'll make the block a couple of times because I get to these cliffhangers and my neighbors think I'm crazy because I drive with my windows down and I'm not bumping like loud music music. (laughs) it's a British man yelling voices so that's what you see with a young adult yeah Yeah, novel Awesome. I got to finish this chapter. I can't yeah. go home yet. So I get home about five or 10 minutes late and my wife is just like, you where are you been? What part of the book are you on right now? And I'm like, you don't believe this. This thing happened. Ah. She knows what's up. Yeah. She what does. book are you on? I'm on the Goblet of Fire. Okay. Oh, that's where and, it just um, gets good. That's no, like this the is my part. first time going through these. So wait, what? Wait, you wait, never yeah. listened to No, them? I've never listened to or I've read never them? read and listened. What? Okay. I thought yeah. Kara was late to okay, no, yeah. no, 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 her no. show. You're late to, have you never seen the movie? or read the books or anything? I have seen the movies, but okay. this mostly okay, happened at yeah. like slumber parties count. and sleepovers at 9, 10, 11. So yeah. I've forgotten everything. Oh. So this is all new to me. And this I'm just driving around exciting. like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> what? What is happening right what? now? I, don't I have blame told you. Kara before, if there's one thing like I wish I could do, it would be to go back in a time machine and experience Harry Potter again for the first time. It's so it's, true. Like, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful it's a magical thing. Yeah. He, he did that no through me. No pun intended. Yeah. He did that through me vicariously when I yes. discovered them a few years ago because I had not seen the movies or yeah. read the books. And so I was literally everything was I got the first to introduce time. them to her and, and then like... like Experience listened them, to her yeah. as she yeah. like was like I can't believe this and I was like oh no. this is the best I, yeah. uh, I got home last night and uh, I just walk in the door and I go Voldemort's a bad dude and my <laughs> wife just loses it she's like really you think you like think? there's this whole series about just, how <laughs> he who must not be named like I is a was, bad guy yeah. you just discovered this just yeah. casually drop it I don't like this guy yes. okay well we're gonna have to revisit Harry yes. Potter in a future podcast yeah. and, and especially podcast? kind of yeah oh yes <gasps> We could, we, could, we could probably do a season of podcasts yes, on Harry Potter. This is not only a Harry Potter podcast, though, Sorry, so we do have yeah. to move on to okay. some other stuff as well. Anyway. So here's what I'm into this week, which okay. I feel like is significantly less interesting <laughs> now that uh, Isaac's talking about Harry Potter. Yeah. I'm into minivans this Ooh. week. And when I say I'm into them, I don't necessarily mean like big fans, super excited about minivans, <laughs> but I have been spending a lot of time thinking about minivans. Really? Because uh, my wife and I, we have a... a Let's see. It's a 1998 
Plymouth Grand Voyager <laughs> oh, minivan. <laughs> I mean, we're talking super oh, old. That's epic. A couple hundred thousand miles on the thing. The uh, the ceiling, like, you know, stuff mm-hmm. is like coming down. Like <laughs> I've super seen it. It really ghetto. Is. It's falling down. Yeah. yeah. We call it our humble wagon. Yeah. Uh, because it, it really helps us with the, the whole humility <laughs> thing, driving that thing around. And uh, it's, it's on its last leg, but it also has been on its last leg for a while. And we're kind of just waiting slash hoping for it to die for off. For it to die, yeah. And so we've been looking at new minivans. And so I now know more, way more than I've ever wanted to know about (laughs) minivans, like the Honda Odyssey and the Toyota Sienna. I've been doing a lot of research on the, uh, the Dodge Grand Caravan, Chrysler town and country. Those two are very similar by the way, is what we've learned. And those are kind of the direction that we're going because they're a little bit cheaper than the other two. But if you go on the Grand Caravan, see, you can get the AVP package. That's the American value package. It's kind of the baseline package. Doesn't have all of the like trimmings inside, ADP. but it has a second row bench seat, which is not quite as nice as the captain oh. seats in the middle. Oh yeah. I and the uh, yeah, then you can step yeah. up to the SE and the SE <laughs> adds a couple of things, which are nice. You get the, uh, the automatic sliding doors. Very important when you have young children. But also annoying when they break. That's true. Mm-hmm. They're kind of expensive to replace as well. Then you step up to the SXT, the SXT, you get a much nicer kind of center console, more cup holders. Wow. Okay. That's, that's important, important on road trips for sure. Um, uh, you guys are like, yeah. And then you can also add like the backup cam and that kind of stuff there, which my wife is kind of into. Or wow. you can go all the way up to the touring package. And then you're talking about a blinged out minivan. Right? You got like the leather seats, the DVD player, Woo. all that kind of stuff. So as you can tell, I, I know way you more know about minivans than I, I actually, really want to know. I was just Googling <laughs> this. It takes 10,000 hours to consider yourself an expert. Oh, it gosh. sounds like you've spent sounds like close you're, to that. You're there. I'm going to yeah. say that you're, you're Maybe that. I am. Maybe I am now a minivan expert. You're in the maybe. ballpark. That was, I'll be honest. That was never something I really aspired <laughs> to. But now that I'm here, it feels good. This next segment of the show is called Confession Session. And this is the part of the show where we expose our deepest, darkest secrets and worst regrets or just really embarrassing stuff. That sounds terrifying. I know, it does. Why are we doing this? I don't know, but it's awesome. So here we go. I'm tackling Confession Session this week, and it is about online dating. Because I, in a weak moment, I signed up for it again as, I don't know, this third or fourth time around. Um, last week, I think, is when I started, or maybe the week before. And I may have referred to online dating this week in a conversation as the cesspool of online dating because it's that fun. Um, (laughs) It feels that fun sometimes. Although I will say this round has been a little bit more positive than some of the previous rounds that I've had. Um, I've actually had some reasonable conversations and some nice people I'm talking to and it's interesting, but I'm still like super nervous and super like, it's just super awkward. Are there, (laughs) are there certain like sites or platforms that are worse than others? Yes. Without a doubt. I, well, in my experience, Tinder was really bad. Let's see. What was the other? There was some one other one I was doing at the same time as Farmers Tinder. Only. A while. No, that was not. <laughs> <Just> never. <kidding. laughs> so you haven't signed up for that one. Never an option. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> Tinder was bad. And there was another one like comparable to Tinder that I can't remember what it was that I tried once that was similarly bad. Just lots of people like swiping the and culture thing. I like, think is that so. The- yeah. And I mean, even if you put on your profile, like here's what I'm not interested in that. And here's what I'm 
into it, it seems like it still comes through the filter sure. so there were lots of those fun experiences but that's been a few like sessions ago so this time i'm doing a little more of the like subscription route which still is not always fun and still can be really awkward especially when you like put yourself out there and get crickets uh, <laughs> so yeah. that's fun that's hard. but like i said it's going better this time than some previous times and i don't just want to like complain about it but literally after two days of signing up for it i spent like half an hour sending a friend gifs about how terrible it was like, <laughs> like those just, weren't the leslie nope GIF. no well, no they weren't although i was looking for some the other day there's there's a perfect leslie nope gif that fits she says oh Anne, you beautiful spinster i will find you love I, like, <laughs> I need one of those friends but i know isaac you've had a total different experience with online dating because you actually met your wife, right? Yeah. Um, so basically sophomore year of college, uh, Tinder was a massive thing. Yes. Um, I was living in a townhouse with eight guys. So you can imagine <laughs> that when we all found Tinder, it was just like, oh dear, oh, <laughs> a no. bunch of chuckling around a dinner table, like right. talking about oh, Tinder. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> so I was actually the first one in my house to sign up for it. Um, I made a profile you. on there. I was like, hey, why not? Like, I'm not talking to people on campus. I, I know. <laughs> I'm just going to class and sort of minding my own business. I set the age to like my own age and I just kind of went around the list of people on there and I found this lady who was really cool and I was like, do you want to go see a movie? This was like, I didn't know like how to, how to, how to initiate. Yeah. I was like, Hey, let's go see a movie. We saw like a weird movie and then we hung out and it was the coolest thing ever. Aww. And what's kind of cool is I, um, kind of did a little bit of a scumbag move and I double booked myself for a weekend. I no. was like, yeah, I'll do a date on Friday and Saturday. I confirmed people. Uh-oh. And I will say this right now. After I went on my first date uh-huh. with my now wife on Tinder, I called the girl and I canceled the date Aww. on Saturday because I was like, way to go. I can't in good conscience do this. So it's a weird, I definitely did the weird. whole like blast strategy where it's, yeah. I swiped right on everyone. And <laughs> I, I just kind of wanted to see what's going that on explains here. explains a lot. And, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I, my wife was one of about 10 people that was like, uh, this weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, I'm glad for your happy ending. And I don't know if that's in the works for me. We'll see. But at least I'll get some good stories out of it. And now it's time for the weekly review where we review things that should be reviewed and some things that maybe technically aren't supposed to be reviewed. (laughs) Um, This week I tackled Saraha. The Ooh, app yes. that um, everyone's been talking about or talking about you on. Um, <laughs> yeah. So One or the other. <laughs> this app has uh, it reached the top of the free apps in the iOS app store recently. Um, and basically, it is an app where you can sign up for a profile and everyone, whether or not they have the app themselves, can leave you anonymous feedback. It's supposed to be constructive criticism. <laughs> right. In quotes, yes. So that's how that's always going to work yeah, out. Through anonymous people. Um, basically, it's actually kind of neat. The word itself, Saraha, means um, honesty in Arabic. So it oh. started as a thing for people to leave feedback for their supervisors at work. And then it sort of got social success in the huh. Middle East. And then it transferred to the North American culture with an app release in June. A lot of people have signed up for it. 300 million people Whoa. have signed up for this app. A lot of people are saying it can cause bullying, which, I w- yeah. duh. 
I don't mean, <laughs> I don't understand the appeal of this at all. Like, let's give somebody an opportunity to say all kind of bad things about me anonymously. Like, that's my worst nightmare come true right there. Right. Yeah, I I, I see the original purpose. Yeah. Like, that makes yeah. sense to me. But and I, I, on some level, I think maybe I can understand the appeal to like this kind of maybe it's almost like morbid curiosity sure. of like, what yeah. are people going to say about me? I want to know what people really think. Yeah, I do. But that. <laughs> but yeah, like that's that's a scary door to walk through. It like, is. Yeah. Do you, do you really, really, really want to know what people actually think about you? Yeah. yeah. I'll say this. Like, as I was reading basically the app description, I was going, OK, this is this isn't a new idea. There have been plenty of iterations before yes. this, mm-hmm. like anonymous feedback, stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah. Yik Yak kind of along yeah. the same lines. Maybe. Yeah. This is kind of like a hyper personalized Yik Yak. This yeah. is like if you could make yourself available on Yelp reviews just uh, for like, people to just say what they think about you. Yeah. No, I'm going to say this, you. like any constructive criticisms, big air quotes on that, uh-huh. that someone could think of me. I promise like I've already thought that exactly. <laughs> lying awake yeah. in bed going, I should change sitting this. there sending yourself <laughs> Saraha messages. Like, yeah, so, this guy's so mean. Like, <laughs> Have you signed up for this yourself? No, I have no. avoided it like okay. the plague. Uh, so you're not into it either. <laughs> no, I'm not into it. I think that for people like me who are curious about what people think, but don't necessarily want to hear the negatives. Don't necessarily want to be crushed. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give Saraha um, one out of five stars this mm-hmm. week for the week earlier view. I don't recommend it. I, here's, here's the thing that could make me like pick it up. Okay. If I had like an administrative assistant. Oh. That could run my Saraha account for oh, me, yeah, and filter. There you go. All of the messages that came in, and <laughs> yeah. only pass the positive ones along to me. Yeah, but yeah. here's the thing: Why do you need to leave an anonymous positive message? Why can't? Why would you need to do that? Mm, that's why a can't very you good, just that's a good question. like just, yeah, tell send somebody, someone a Facebook message hey, and say, "Hey, you're a nice person. You're cool." That's I feel like it could also be used as like yeah. a. <laughs> Do you have a crush on me? Yeah, that's, that's that's what I think of is yeah, okay. like fifth grade, like yeah. passing the note, like right. not you know circle. Yes, like or it's no. this hopeful yeah. thing. That like if I just open up my inbox to the world, maybe maybe <laughs> people will, will send me messages and say like I like you. Yeah, you know, not everyone no. is secretly in love with me. I, yeah. I already know that. Okay. <laughs> Don't need Saraha to tell you that. No. Yeah. It's time for the real life boss level, and I am a video game nerd. Uh, I know Isaac, you play a lot of games too. You're kind of a gamer. Kara, probably not so not much. Not so much, but that's okay. Uh, but real life boss level basically is this idea in a video game, especially in the older video games. Mm-hmm. Like you fight all these enemies and baddies, right? And then you get to the end of the level, and there's this big, giant, like bad guy that's usually like. 20 times bigger than yes. you are. He's like the size of a skyscraper <laughs> okay, I and used like a to terrifying monster. I, I will say I played some Nintendo when I was little yeah, and okay. I remember the Bowsers on the right. Mario, yeah. Like, that kind of a thing. Oh, you scary. go into the castle, the dungeon, yeah. you, you know, you face the big bad guy at it's the a big end. Deal. And so we're kind of talking about the real life version of this. What's your thing this week that uh, kind of looks like this big, scary, tall monster that you have yes. to beat. Um, I guess the good thing is usually in those games, you only had to like, hit him in the tail like three times or something and then they died. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if all of our real life boss levels will be quite that easy uh, to defeat. Sadly. My real life boss level for this week is the school routine. Ooh. Okay. I have a, a daughter named Avi. She's five years old and she started kindergarten this week. Wow. And my family, I, I'm not a morning person. Okay. And no one in my family is. We're all late night people. Uh, and so yeah. we kind of stay up late, get up late. 
Well, school doesn't work that way. Sadly. Nope. Kindergarten, you got to be there at like 745 or something oh. like that, which means uh, since, you know, you're talking about getting a girl ready for school. Yeah. It, we can't really do the like guy thing where you get ready in five minutes, five minutes and you're out the door. No. So we're talking about getting up 645, seven o'clock for a family that's used to getting up at like 839 oh. maybe. Ugh. And so this is my real life boss level this week because uh, getting up early is kind of kicking all of our butts. <laughs> like it's oh. not it's not going well. So far, uh, Avi's been she's made it to school on time. So good. That, that's good. That's, good a, that's a win. Uh, but is. we're also like three days in. Yeah. And, um, and you're, already like, exhausted. you're like, so far, I've done my job as a parent successfully. Yeah. But <laughs> OK. And here's the confession. I know it's not confession session, but but I do have a little bit of a confession on this. And that's that my wife is taking far more of the brunt of this than I am at the moment. <laughs> she's the one that's really doing a lot of the work. Uh, but like anytime yeah. you have to. And there's been other like life events that have triggered this for me in the past where you have to change up kind your of your, your routine, like in the morning and stuff, especially when you bring kids into the mix. Yeah. It gets complicated. Isaac, you, when you had to start working here, like you mm-hmm. have the longest commute of any of sure. us. And so you had to start getting up a lot earlier, I assume. Yeah. So you've probably kind of gone through this adjustment phase. Yeah. Basically it was just the equivalent of cold water splashing on your face in the morning. <laughs> I like, I have my phone sitting across the room and I have the loudest possible alarm. <laughs> yes. My wife hates me for it. But it's, it's seriously the only way I get out of my like warm bed every morning. Right. Because forcing you to walk across the room. Work is competing with a nice warm bed and, and there's and no beating that. There's no, no you yeah. can't. There's no, no competition. Way. Yeah. So are you guys morning people or, or night people? I'm a morning person. I Gross. I actually yeah. No, that's <laughs> sorry, but I hate you. That's awesome. <laughs> I've always said like I'm an afternoon person, but actually I think I am a morning person. Yeah. Who are you people? I know. <laughs> like a like a perfect day for me starts at around like a quarter to six. I can oh, wake up. No, okay, not that early. I'm not <laughs> yeah, that early of a, not that much of a morning yeah, person. No. You guys both like coffee too. Right. Yeah, or yeah. Coffee people. You guys both have coffee right now. Yeah. I guzzle it. Maybe maybe that's part of that the deal. Yeah. I'm not as big of a coffee person. Right. So if you don't without, have anything to without look that assistance, to, yeah. yeah. How am I supposed to how am I supposed to do that? Exactly. I have no idea. If I didn't have coffee, I'd be up at noon. <laughs> yeah. It's true. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> Let's dive into the big idea for episode one of Real Talk, and that is Christians and music. I wanted to start by kind of talking about my history with music and how I listened to music growing up and maybe kind of get your guys' perspective on this as well, because I think it has a lot to do with how we view this topic, kind of how we grew up with music, Christian music versus secular music, Mm -hmm. our family environment, what our parents thought Mm -hmm. of these types of things. It really, I think, shapes kind of your view on this going forward. And uh, I've had some conversations about this with my wife, whose name is Dree. When she was in high school, her and her friends, they kind of went through this whole phase when like Baxter Street Boys, in sync, yes. the boy band thing was really, oh, I feel really yeah. big deal for <laughs> yeah for girls yep. in middle school, junior high, high Huge school, deal. and so uh, that was her thing that she was into for a while. But then she said she and some of her friends in her youth group felt convicted about listening to secular music and felt mm-hmm. like you know we should we should really ought to only be listening to Christian music. And so she literally did the cliche thing where her and her friends they all got together, took all of their CDs, broke them, no. oh. shattered them on the ground. <laughs> threw them in the trash 
which if you ask her about that today, she says she highly regrets that and wishes she still, still had, had those. all of those. Oh, but yeah, she, she broke all of them, declared her independence from the evil secular music of the day and uh, started only listening to Christian music from that point forward. But my experience was a little bit different than that. Like I, I grew up listening to a fair amount of Christian music. I mean, as a, as a young kid in elementary school, DC talk, Jesus freaks came out. That was a, like That's this huge. kind of watershed moment of Christian music can be cool. And I yeah. love it. And this is so awesome. <laughs> so listening to Jesus freaks nonstop newsboys at the time were, mm, were pretty cool. Yes, they were. Uh, I know for, for people <laughs> who maybe are only more recently into Christian music, that may be hard to believe, yeah. but at one point the newsboys were pretty cool. <laughs> and so I listened to a lot of that stuff. But then as I started to get into middle school, I really started to get more into the secular music world, mm. started to discover bands like Blink-182 or things like that. But my parents were very much exclusive Christian music listeners. Mm-hmm. And I probably should mention like my parents were not Christians growing up or even in college and became Christians after they got married when mm. I was pretty young that makes uh, sense. before yeah. I can really remember. And so they had kind of a history with drinking in college and mm. with, a, with a lot of uh, just kind of elements of a lifestyle that they really were trying to kind of turn their backs on and move sure. away from. Yeah. Sure. And so yeah. I think Christian music was a big part of that for them. And so I, though, as I started to get into <laughs> secular music, I was, I was scared, honestly, of like sharing that with my parents because I didn't think they would approve. So I was the kid who was like listening to the radio or listening to songs or a little bit later on downloading songs yeah. illegally off right. the internet. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, government and, and musical artists. For, all, they've got you now. Yeah. We all did that. It's, it's, on, it's on a recording. <laughs> I've been implicated. Um, so I, I was one of those kids who was doing all that. And, and then I would like turn down the music and listen to it real quietly in my room. So my parents couldn't hear. Right. Or I'd be listening to a Blink-182 song and my parents were like, who's that? And I was like, oh, just some band, you know, and then I when I got know. to the part of the song where they say work sucks, you know, I had to turn the, mm-hmm. the volume down so that they didn't hear the word sucks in the song. Cause then I was like, well, then they'll never let me listen to it again. Uh, so that was kind of my experience, but really it was a both and thing for yeah. me hmm. at that point. And it really has been ever since, honestly. So hmm. how about you guys? Like what, what was your experience growing up with music? I grew up homeschooled in uh-huh. the northeastern part of Arkansas, and I was part of a sort of like co-op. So it was like this coalition of homeschooled families. And obviously a lot of them were Christian, very conservative. And music was kind of my touch point with like the outside world with mm. that. So basically I was exposed to Christian music 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So mm. naturally as a little kid kind of growing up into adolescence and then later on teenage years, I kind of sought out the other, opposite. Yeah, basically the opposite yeah. of all of that. So I was a big like pop punk fan. Like you mentioned Blink-182, you know, Linkin Park, mm-hmm. um, all yep. of these bands like that. That was kind of my relation point to people who weren't homeschooled. So Mm. when I would like be out with my friends who went to high school, I would be like, yeah, have you been listening to, you know, the new Lincoln park or anything like that? I wasn't into Harry Potter or Pokemon, but for some reason, my parents were like music. Yeah, you make the call, like whatever you Mm. want. So Mm. it was never like explicitly one or the other for me, but Mm. music was kind of my okay, this is what separates me from all of my homeschooled friends. Mm. This makes me cool. Like in my dorky, like, you know, yes, yes. homeschooled outfits. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm cool. At I'm least cool. I have yeah, yeah. Lincoln Park. Yeah. <laughs> At least I have Blake and Lincoln Park and all of that. So That's awesome. I kind of hold it a, a little bit dear. Like when we have this discussion of hmm. Christian music or secular music, I have the both and mentality that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But music for me was always kind of a way to make friends. So when I hear people talking about secular music being evil, I'm like, look, most of my friends are friends with me because I met them through talking about music. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, you can't get rid of that now. 
So I feel like mine is a little bit backwards from both of you guys. I too grew up in a Christian home. My dad went to seminary, but I will say in my early years, there was a lot of classical and oldies and different kinds of music interspersed with the Christian music. Mm -hmm. So we definitely did listen to the Christian station a lot. When I hit really late grade school, like early middle school is when I was like, Ooh, in sync and Hanson and all of these. And like, this is a thing and this is awesome. And I love this music. And I had a couple of friends who were really into it. And so we kind of dove in deep on yeah. that. And I was all in on the secular, you know, kind of, yeah, the rebellious. And I don't remember my parents. I mean, I'm sure they didn't love it, but I don't remember them making a huge deal of it. Like, yeah. Oh, you can't do that. But I'm sure they were not, it wasn't ideal. But then like I hit this rough patch in school where I got super depressed for a variety of reasons. And I decided one Christmas to do kind of this 30 day challenge type thing mm -hmm. where you only listen to Christian music. And then I just kept listening mm. because I realized, oh, I feel better at the end of this. Yeah. For me, I was in a low point where I needed some extra building up. I needed some extra perspective. I needed some fortifying around the edges. And that was at the time a tool I feel like God used. Yeah. So I, I pretty much through high school kind of stuck with that. But then when I got to college, I think Pandora was big when I was in college. We weren't at the Spotify years yet. And I started listening to all these other musicians and bands and just discovering so much beauty and scope outside of what I normally listen to. I still listen to a lot of Christian music then, but I was also like, wow, there's so much more here that I'm missing out on hmm. because I just have written it all off. And so I started to slowly integrate some things back in. And so now I am a little bit more where you guys are with the both. And I feel like there's just a lot of value and a lot of really beautiful creative work that's being done that I just love music in general. I want to experience the full gamut yeah. of like mm. what people are creating. And there's some amazing things that are happening in yeah. art. And I feel like those things are reflections of God's beauty and yeah. creativity. And so now I'm much more in the both and camp, keeping in mind that I need to monitor how is this affecting me? One of the interesting questions that I think comes up in this debate where you're talking about the value of Christian music, the value of secular music is how do you even define those things? Like mm. some of those definitions are, are pretty easy. You listen to a, a Chris Tomlin worship song and you go, that's a Christian song, right? right. It's a yeah. worship song. That's obvious, yeah. right? You hear it in church. Right. It's a Christian or song. then you go listen to, uh, I don't know, Kesha talking about brushing her teeth with liquor <laughs> and you go like, okay, <laughs> Like this is on the other end of the spectrum, yeah, right? Or whatever. Yeah. But there's so much room in between yeah, there. there. Is. So one of my big questions is what makes a song mm -hmm. Christian? Like how do you guys define that? And yeah. how should we be defining that? Yeah. I think there's a lot of nuance to it. Kara made a really cool point about Christian music and just music in general as art. When I'm looking at a piece of art in an art exhibit, I don't look up the religion of the particular artist I'm appreciating and going, oh, this is now, you know, Christian or Buddhist art. Unless it's explicitly laid out for me, like the subject matter, I can't really determine what makes it one thing or the other. But from an organizational standpoint, I kind of have to draw like harder lines with stuff. So if it's a Chris Tomlin type song, I kind of go, okay. That's my standard for Christian music. If a band mentions faith in their song, that still doesn't necessarily make it an explicitly Christian song to me because I look at the subject matter of each individual song. I think that you can't say one artist is a Christian artist because they can have songs that are talking about completely different subject matter other than faith. Like the fact that one band is just Christians, they might not necessarily make Christian music in my eyes. I was looking back at some notes I have from an article I read by Jeffrey Overstreet. 
and he's talking about that there's different ways to look at this and define this. And he said, one of the ways of understanding art is to say there's no such thing as Christian art. And he said that's because Christians don't have a monopoly on what is true. Non-Christians can see and reflect aspects of the truth in their art as readily as any Christian. Mm. And art made by Christians is also it can be fractured by blindness and corruption because Christians are human beings too. Yeah. Subject to error, just like anything right. else. So he's saying art is meaningful if it invites us into beauty and meaning and reflects something of God's glory and something of human limitations. Can't that be Christian? I think this kind of goes back to a deeper argument that goes even deeper than music in mm-hmm. terms of what just in general in life do we define as sacred versus secular? Yes, that's true. And we can kind of take this approach and say, well, there are these sacred things in life, like experiencing worship at, mm-hmm. at church or whatever. But you hear people all the time talking about worshiping God in nature or or sure. by their work, right. you know, fixing cars. Exactly. Like, yeah. So uh, all of these things that maybe seem pretty spiritually benign, mm-hmm. everything is created by God. Everything sure. is under yeah. his dominion. And in yeah. some way, doesn't everything connect back to him? Right? Yeah. Yeah. One other quote on this subject that I really love and appreciate that feels like it connects to that perspective of everything can be worship. Uh, Madeline Engel said in Walking on Water, of course, because I'm a struggling Christian, it's inevitable that I superimpose my awareness of the life of Jesus on what I'm reading or what I'm experiencing. But she said, I'm not sure that's a bad thing to be truly a Christian means to see Christ everywhere, to know him as all in all. I think where the trouble comes in for this is we use Christian not only as a term that's like a theological term, but it's also being used more and more as a marketing term. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so the Christian music industry, for example, that's a very specific genre of music. And and I don't even think that they're necessarily saying there can't be like Christian themes or air quotes, Christian music outside of this, this Mm -hmm. genre. But we're using this as a marketing term to communicate to people the music that you're going to hear on a Christian radio station or from a Christian artist is explicitly spiritual in nature, right? which makes sense. And and I don't really know. I don't have like this great silver bullet solution of saying like, well, you should call it this instead, but it does complicate things for artists and people who are kind of in that gray area in between. Mm -hmm. I think of a band like need to breathe or something Mm -hmm. that gets some like Christian radio airplay. They seem to have some songs that are pretty explicitly spiritual. And then they have songs about dancing with a girl at a bar, right? Yeah. So are they, are they a Christian band? You right. know, yeah. it's yeah. difficult to say. And yeah. we, we want to label everything. And on the one hand, you could just say, well, we need to just stop labels. Like, let's stop labeling stuff. But that's also not very practical. Right. right? I mean, yeah. so what do we call them? They we have to <laughs> we, we give genres and labels to all kinds of music, mm-hmm. some of which is hard to categorize. But we still try because we organize things, you yeah. know, and so yeah. that, there's kind of a practical aspect to it, too, I feel like. Yeah, that's interesting. Let's talk a little bit about this idea of garbage in, garbage out. Have you heard that phrase? Oh, yes. Yes. And uh, Kara, you even mentioned kind of this 30 day challenge thing, which a lot of Christian radio stations do Mm -hmm. where they kind of say, hey, listen to Christian music only or redemptive, uplifting music only. Mm -hmm. And it's really going to make a big impact on your life. You're going to feel a lot better. It's going to be a positive influence for you. Mm -hmm. And this garbage in, garbage out concept of if you're feeding yourself with negative things or, or music or subject matter that isn't that way, that's going to impact you as well. Are you buying that? Or are you selling that? You heard my story. I think there's some truth in there. Maybe this is different for different people, though, because I am very, very sensitive to 
a lot of the stimulation that I take in. It affects me greatly. And I don't know that it's the same for everyone, but I don't think that means that I can only listen to things that are constantly positive and uplifting because there are hard things in the world I need to wrestle with. Mm -hmm. Like that needs to happen, even if it makes me feel bad. And I think, you know, again, there are beautiful things being made by non-Christians, just like we just talked about. So if I limit my input to only this certain segment of reality, then I'm going to miss out on this bigger picture. Even if some of that picture is hard. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it makes sense. One way that this kind of plays out for me is I'm a pop music fan and there are songs on top 40 radio, especially now that I have kids. It's, yes. it's amazing how this has changed my perspective on some mm-hmm. of this, having children in the backseat of my car. There are times where I'm listening to a top 40 song on the radio and I have a conscious thought, even when my kids aren't in the car, mm-hmm. The funny thing is when my kids are in the car, I tend to switch it off quickly because I go, oh, I don't want them hearing this. Right. Mm -hmm. When I'm the only person in the car, I'm slower to switch the station Mm -hmm. when I'm hearing something. But there are moments where I'm listening to a song. There are some songs, especially on the subject matter of sex in pop music. There are some extremely offensive, explicitly yeah. sexual songs. Yeah. Um, some of them are just about two people in love and they're just tend to contain relatively explicit subject matter. Yeah. Some of them are downright misogynistic yeah. in, in my view. And there are times when I hear one of these songs and be real honest, like my mind starts going places that I don't necessarily want it to go. Yeah. Sure. And I start to recognize that and I go, uh, it's time to change I, it. Up. I like this song musically. Mm. Yeah. It's a good pop song. Yeah. But there yeah. is subject matter in here that's taking my mind to a place where it doesn't belong. Yeah. And I tend to be slow to react to that at times mm. where I go, well, it's a catchy song and I'm not really listening to the lyrics. And I start making all those excuses mm. about it. And I think there is some truth to this garbage in garbage out thing. If I, mm-hmm. if I'm constantly listening to music that is sexually explicit yeah. and, right. and tackling uh, sexual subject matter, I'm a sexual being, yeah. right? I'm a guy and my mind is going to go there. Yeah. And I have, uh, I think a bit of a responsibility to myself and to my family yeah. and to my wife to kind of protect myself from that. Mm-hmm. So I do think there is an element where we have to say, especially in pop music where you're dealing with this type of subject yeah. matter, this is not appropriate for me, at least in sure. large doses right. yeah. or in certain contexts. Yeah. I think that it's really, really subjective because what I would call garbage, maybe someone else wouldn't. And then what someone would call garbage, maybe that's what I have on my Spotify playlist <laughs> for driving home today. Like, mm-hmm. I think that you have to look at how it makes you feel personally. Yeah. So like our tolerance for different things, like can be completely different from one person to another, right. like a song that really gets me excited about something, like really pumps me up. Up, might be a little bit too heavy for someone else to really enjoy in good conscience. Right now, like I'm really into some heavy hardcore bands. As long as it doesn't make me downtrodden and angry, like it can be spirit filled and it can be uplifting. But the second I start feeling negatively affected, mm-hmm. I have no reservation turning it. That's the challenge, right? Is recognizing yeah, yeah. that when it's happening, because yeah. I think sometimes we tend to not, at sure. least for me, not recognize that until it's almost too late. Yeah. yeah. I like that you use the word responsibility. If we decide I'm going to consume both of these, I mean, in some ways it's easier to just be like, I'm only going to do this. I'm only going to listen to Christian stuff and that's fine. And maybe that's what God is calling you to do. That's great. I think if we decide I want to consume both of these because there's beautiful things in both, there's the image of God somewhere in both. Then we also have the responsibility to recognize when that image is being degraded in that art and say, is this song, this art degrading the image of God in someone in some ways, you know, in misogynistic ways or racist things or whatever Mm, it is. Like we have a responsibility to recognize that and say, 
okay, I don't want that to be a part of my life. Well, yeah. and then if you're also like analyzing things a little bit more closely because you're doing a both and mentality, yeah. isn't that good? Like maybe you're examining everything that you listen to. Mm-hmm. So instead of maybe for lack of a better word, maybe isolating yourself a little bit with just Christian music, maybe you might examine things a little bit closer mm-hmm. if you have something else in the mix that's yeah. different. The unfortunate thing is, like I said earlier, I have a lot of friends who would say like, I don't listen to any Christian music because it's all crap or it's all, you know, like, yeah. and I would encourage those people to say, you know, give, give some Christian music a right. try. First mm-hmm. of all, you might be surprised at the artists that are out there that are doing really good things. Mm-hmm. And second of all, you might be surprised at the way that it influences you in a positive way. Sure. Mm-hmm. Not asking you to give up secular music or give up, you know, the music yeah. that you like to listen to. But there are also some people who are doing some explicitly spiritual things right, that, that I think good. may really influence you in a positive way. And that's worth giving a try as well. I mean, there are times where I need worship music. I need to listen to that. Yeah. I'm not saying you have to listen to all worship music 24 <laughs> seven, but there are moments where I do think spiritually focused, God focused music mm-hmm. can be a really powerful thing and yeah. it's, and it's worth giving a shot. Yeah. So what about the other way around? Can God use non Christian music or other art in a way that is positively influencing? Have you guys had that experience? Absolutely. I think I have yeah. many times I've experienced it in music, but also in things like books. You know, we were talking about Harry Potter yes. earlier. That was a forbidden thing when I was growing up, which is understandable. And I understand the fear and the conviction that goes with that. But Andrew Peterson wrote an article about this, about Harry Potter and Jesus. And he said, listen, we're free to enjoy the good and the beautiful, even from the most unlikely places. He said, we're free. And this is huge to look for the light in people and things to give them the benefit of the doubt, to laud the beauty, to outlove the unloveliness, in short, to love as Christ loves. So all of that to say, yes, I think that things that are not explicitly Christian and can still reflect God's glory. God can still use those things mm-hmm. because isn't he bigger than yeah, our little exactly. like narrow definitions? I don't yeah. know. No, I think absolutely. I agree. I think that if we limit ourselves to, like I said a little bit earlier, just to Christian media, we might sort of get a little bit dull with our perception and things and our analyzation of things. So if I only say I'm watching Christian movies, I'm only listening to Christian worship artists, my ability to critique things from a Christian standpoint might get a little bit Mm. duller than I want it to be. So I think that looking for Christ and looking for redemptive qualities in media, so music, TVs, radio, anything that only makes me dwell on Christ and spirituality more Mm. because I'm thinking about it. I think the thought that keeps ringing around in my head is back to this like responsibility word. Yeah. We have a responsibility to monitor the things that we're consuming, the art that we're consuming, whether it's categorized as Christian or secular or somewhere in between. Yeah. And try to understand how it's affecting us and how it may be affecting others. Like I, I think of this analogy with drinking alcohol, for Mm -hmm. example, there are a lot of Christians that I know who are more than happy to have a beer with a friend. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of Christians that I know who have never had a taste of alcohol. Mm -hmm. And I respect both of those positions. To me, if you want to be the kind of person who says, you know what, I'm going to stay away from that completely because I just don't want to even touch it. Mm. And I want to protect myself. I respect that. I'm not going to judge a person for making that decision, uh, even if that's not my decision. Mm. Or if someone says, you know what, there are some really great things about having 
a beer with someone. I can go sit down at a bar with a friend and talk about real life issues and use this responsibly. But yeah. responsibility is a big part of that, right? Because right. it very quickly can be used irresponsibly. Mm -hmm. sure. And so if we're going to go there, we have to understand where the limits are. Yeah. We have to understand the ways that it can affect us and the dangers that are inherent to it. Mm -hmm. And we have to have a proper respect for those things. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, if we're going to say, you know what, I'm going to stick with this over here, that's fine. But let's not let that transform us into judgmental people mm -hmm. where we're going after the people who'd say, you know what, I am okay with going up to this line or this line or whatever. I feel like I can listen to this music responsibly mm -hmm. or consume this art responsibly. Let's not be so judgmental and say, I'm going to hold everyone to my right. high standards. Mm -hmm. Either way, there's some grace required yeah. in terms of how we interpret what other people are doing and a lot of responsibility required in terms of how we're handling ourselves and the choices that we're making. As we're wrapping up episode one of Real Talk this week, we've got one more thing to chat about before we go, and that is our songs that are on repeat this week. And this is basically just that song that you cannot get out of your head. <laughs> if you've got Spotify up or whatever, that's the thing that you're just like crushing the plays for this week. <laughs> you're really uh, contributing to that uh, royalty pot for that artist. <laughs> you know, you, that little counter on Spotify that keeps track of how many plays a track has. Oh, like yeah. maybe you're responsible for like half of them this week. That's right. Because you keep playing they're, this song. They're going to make hundreds of dollars off of you. <laughs> hundreds of cents. <laughs> hundreds of cents. That's awesome. So my song uh, this week is uh, Giants by the artist Lights. Where we could be You guys are familiar with Lights, uh, but she's a synth pop artist that's been around for probably seven, eight years now. And she's Canadian. She's done a lot of collaborations with the likes of like Owl City or, yeah. or uh, other artists like that. And uh, I'm a I'm kind of a synth pop guy. I love synth pop. I kind of feel like unmanly admitting it. <laughs> you know, like it's okay. It's just it's not all, like it's not as cool here. as Isaac sitting over here being like, I love hardcore. Music. I noticed like, you were twirling your like, hair a little bit. <laughs> I love synth pop. Like, uh, but Lights. Oh my. Oh my gosh, she's a great singer. She's got an awesome voice. She, even from her earliest uh, albums, has just an incredible ear for uh, a good hook. And mm. that's a lot of what synth pop is about, yeah. is this really great hook that you just cannot get out of your head. Awesome. And uh, Giants lives up to that. It's a little more kind of mainstream pop than some of her stuff has been mm -hmm. in the past, but definitely worth checking out. Got a great message uh, to the song as well. We're playing it on Real FM radio right now. Really, really enjoying that song, Giants by Light. So make sure you check that one out. Yeah, I've been checking out propaganda a lot recently. Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of in my <laughs> just political zone lately. Mm -hmm. I've been listening to a ton of hip hop and rap, specifically stuff that's kind of more politically minded and socially minded. And propaganda, the song, it's complicated off of um, his new album. Such so a good one. It's a mm -hmm. good one. We are becoming what we're not and what we are is inescapable. You are a masterpiece fighting to be a silly selfie the hideous filter 
You are heaven's handmade calligraphy, slumming it among papyrus fonts. I love it because it's kind of addressing just humans in general and how we're complicated between fallen people and then also like we're heavenly beings. And it has a font joke in it, which is my... <laughs> As a graphic designer, I appreciate that a lot. Um, one of the specific lines that jumps out to me is this font joke. It's your heaven's handmade calligraphy slumming it up with papyrus fonts. I, I love that so much in its, you know, lightheartedness, but also kind it's of a real beautiful. commentary on yeah. people. So, I, I've never been yeah. a big poetry guy, yeah. but like listening to propaganda stuff, all of a sudden I feel like I uh, love poetry. Yeah. Like, right. I, yeah. He's such a poet. He has such a way with words. Yeah. He and really it's in is. this like way where you can listen to something. And I know a lot of people are just absolutely sick of all things politics or even just social issues right now, but you can listen to this and feel good. It's a kind of a positive self reflection. It's not necessarily like, Oh, I'm the worst person ever right. for not caring about every single issue. Like this is a good <laughs> introduction to politically minded music. I think. So mine is completely different from both of those. I've been listening to the new album from Future of Forestry called Awaken to the Sound. I don't remember how I stumbled onto these guys, but now that I have, I'm like obsessed. So I don't actually know if it is these. I think it's like one guy, but his musical project is called Future of Forestry. So on this album, there is a song called Covers You. The style of music is defined, I saw somewhere online described as cinematic alternative rock. And I love that description because that's that's exactly how when I'm like listening to it, I feel like I'm in this epic movie. Like <laughs> and it's Sweet. really it's very beautiful. There's this full orchestra and yet there's this rock element to it. And then the lyrics are just a beautiful combination of all of those. So Covers You is actually a song about about God's love. And I have been just kind of soaking that up uh, for a couple of weeks now, listening to it on repeat, because who doesn't need a reminder of that in a awesome cinematic alternative rock soundtrack, <laughs> you know? Awesome. So yeah, that's on repeat for me this week. Future of Forestry. The album is all awesome. Awaken to the sound, but the song I'm loving on repeat is Covers You. All right. Well, that's our show. Real Talk episode one in the books. Yeah. If you have any uh, feedback for us based on this show, we'd love to hear it. You can send us a Facebook message at the Real FM Facebook page. That'd probably be a good way to get a hold of us. Mm -hmm. Or on our Sarahas. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or not, because we don't have those. Or not Sarahas that we do not have. How many ha ha ha's are in this? That's right. for listening to the real talk podcast from real fm wake up with isaac from 7 to 10 a.m and catch real talk with anton and kara from 4 to 7 p.m live every weekday on real fm radio